the radio voice of the North Carolina football team, our good friend Jones Angel, is back with us here on the WPTF Morning Show. What's up, Jones? How are you, man? Rob, I'm doing great. Good to be back with you and uh, looking forward to being back in Keenan Stadium. Starts a three-game homestand coming up this weekend, first of which is against Syracuse. And, of course, Tariel sitting at 4-0 for the first time since uh, 1997, so that's good, but uh, still a long way to go. Eight consecutive weeks of football coming up, including seven of those against ACC opponents. So the Tariels have done all they can do to this point. They've positioned themselves well, but uh, still have a long way to go. So uh, looking forward to getting back into it this weekend. Yeah, absolutely. And obviously the big news we've been talking about all morning long and really the college football world is talking about it this morning, uh, the whole Tez Walker situation. Yesterday, the NCAA uh, kind of reversing course and saying, all right, he's eligible. He can play. We received new information is what the NCAA says. I want to get your take on it. What was your initial reaction when you saw or heard about uh, Tez Walker becoming immediately eligible? Well, there had certainly been some some talk kind of behind the scenes that uh, that this was continuing to be worked on. Uh, certainly the Tar Heels had not been as public about that fact as, uh, as previously. Um, but there had been some folks uh, mostly uh, outside of the University of North Carolina that have been uh, continuing to work on this case and, and trying to figure out uh, the best way to get to the right conclusion. And, and ultimately, Rob, that's what this is about. I mean, Carolina certainly gains a good football player, and, and for Tar Heel football, that's good. It's good to have a tall, fast, wide receiver who can catch the ball. That, those are things <laughs> that you like. But, yeah. Um, that this was about much more than that. This was about coming to the correct conclusion for a young guy that that didn't that didn't deserve the the adjudication of his case that he received. Um, Tez Walker deserved to be able to play. That that's just the facts. And and when you look at this case, um, that there are some very unique circumstances to this case. That if people have followed it, certainly they are aware of those unique circumstances. And it is just a prime example of some of the issues that the NCAA is continuing to have. And, and that is the fact that you know, just because this case for them checked a specific box, they put it in the pile that said you can't play. There, there's more nuance to every. There's more nuance to life than, than that. Yeah. And so uh, that, that's where I think the real injustice came was the lack of flexibility and, and to look at the specific circumstances of this case. And so ultimately it got to the right answer. Certainly I was uh, excited to hear that just like uh, everybody else was. I was excited for Tez Walker. I was excited for Carolina football. But, but most importantly, just excited that the right thing was done. It, it took too long to get there. Um, but ultimately we got to the right answer. And uh, for those that have not seen the, the video on social media that Carolina football posted, they, they recorded the interaction of uh, Coach Mac Brown telling Tez Walker, hey, man, you get to play. And, and they embrace in a hug, and it's super emotional. You can just see the emotions off of Tez Walker of like kind of like just – a big sigh of relief, like, you know, something had just been taken off of his shoulder, just like, I finally get to play. I finally get to go out there on the field with my teammates. I've been practicing with them all season long, but I haven't been able to play, and now he gets to, in front of a home crowd in a big game against Syracuse uh, coming up tomorrow afternoon. For those that are not very familiar with Tez Walker, 
what does he bring to the table? How does this actually impact the offense and what the Tar Heels can do moving forward? Yeah, it's a good question, Robin. And just briefly, I'll say, I think what you saw in that video were were genuine reactions, right? I mean, this has been, and that's part of the issue too, is that these are real people that you're talking about. These are people with emotions and um, people that are living their daily lives and and trying to figure out uh, how to continue to move forward um, based off the decisions that were made on this thing. And so um, I think that's worth remembering, um, really, when you're out there watching the Tar Heels play. And and I heard Hubert Davis talking about this the other day about his team, that just remember, these are 20-year-old people out there. These aren't video game characters that that you're watching play. And so I think that's always worth remembering, particularly at the college level. Um, But I think you saw genuine genuine emotion from from Tez and from Mac Brown. And, And Mac Brown has said repeatedly, that he feels as though part of his job as the head coach is to treat his players like he would want his sons or grandsons treated if they were on a football team. And, and that's why Carolina fought this so hard, is that's what you, you Rob, you Jones, you Mac Brown, you everybody. That, that's how you would want um, your child and grandchild, that's how you would want somebody to stand up for them. Um, so, having said all of that, uh, Tez Walker, I think, gives Carolina a legitimate number one outside receiver. And and the really exciting news for Carolina is, you know, I think J.J. Jones has really been coming on. And, and he's coming off a game where he had a career-high six catches and 117 yards, which was a career-high at Pittsburgh two weeks ago. So he had been growing in to that uh, uh, really stud outside receiver role. And so now all of a sudden um, you've got – two guys on the outside that you feel really good about that that can stretch the field that can make big catches that can move the chains on a big third and 11 they can make a a key catch Um, I think it allows you to move Kobe Pesor back to the slot position he had been playing on the outside Um, he had had uh, Rob I may miss this a little bit he had two games that he had played primarily on the outside Kobe Pesor had four catches in the two games that he played primarily in the slot he had 14 yeah. So he's just more comfortable because that's where he had been practicing and where he had been working and where he had been anticipating playing. And so now all of a sudden you've got Pesor and Nate McCollum, who had that big game, remember, against Minnesota, the Georgia Tech transfer. You've got both of those guys that you can play at the slot. You've got Tez Walker and J.J. Jones outside. Um, you've got some depth with Gavin Blackwell and, and Andre Green on the outside as well. So all of a sudden you, you've gone from – man, you know, how do we kind of piece this together? Because you didn't have Tez Walker. Gavin Blackwell had been injured. Now all of a sudden, Walker's back. You, you are getting Blackwell back either this week or in the very near future. And so all of a sudden, you've gone from trying to piece it together that to, to you have a pretty good core there and, and some talented guys that give you a lot of different options at the receiver position. And, oh, yeah, you got one of the best quarterbacks in college football <laughs> right. the ball to them. So um, it, it really is a boost on the field for the Tar Heels without a question. All right, quickly, uh, let's talk about the opponent for tomorrow, Syracuse coming into town. What's the biggest thing Tar Heel fans need to know about the Orange, and do you think that uh, this is Carolina's biggest test of the season so far? I think it's the best offense that Carolina's faced so far this year, and and Garrett Schrader's the quarterback for Syracuse, veteran player, a, a Mississippi State transfer, originally from Charlotte, so North Carolina guy, and um, he's a really good player and a mature player. You can see it, Rob, when you watch him play. He just he doesn't get flustered. He's under control. He he understands what he does well and understands how he can best help the team. 
Um, he's a really good runner, um, with particularly out of the pocket. So not necessarily a bunch of design runs, but when the play breaks down, he's really good at getting out of trouble and you know, getting 10 yards when you needed nine for the first down. And so he, he is a handful for sure. Then you flip it around the other way, and Rocky Long is in his first year as the defensive coordinator for Syracuse, and uh, he has a long history of having really aggressive defenses. They're going to play a 3-3-5. They're going to be coming from different angles. They're going to blitz a ton. You're never quite sure from where. They're trying to force you into panicking up front and making a mistake, and, and you see it in their numbers. They have 11 turnovers forced through five games and 16 sacks in five games. So they have created havoc and trouble defensively. Carolina's got to be ready to, to be patient, be able to handle that, and, and not get hurried up by uh, Syracuse pressure. Kickoff tomorrow, 3.30, and you can listen to all the action right here on WPTF. Jones Angel will have the call on the Tar Heel Radio Network. Jones, thanks so much. We appreciate the uh, conversations that we have with you on Fridays, previewing games, and let's have a fun one tomorrow. Sounds good, Rob. Talk to you soon.